you when you're doing that like observation of the body and things like that the eyes of the spirit is something i personally look for so when i call their name if they look directly at me if they kind of seem a bit alert or if they're kind of looking through me and their eyes are a bit dull and just kind of not focused so that's what i look for in spirit normally Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine graduates. We release episodes every week on a Thursday, and if you're new here, feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Brendan, and I'm joined by Charlene. Hello! Nick. Hey, how we doing? And Timmy. Hey, yo. Okay, this is part 12 of our introductory series, and if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, give them a listen, because... I reckon you might find something a little bit interesting. Um, our series is basically just a kind of a deep dive into the basics. We spent the last couple of weeks doing um, uh, deep dives into organs and what we learned in, in uni and stuff and just revising over that. Um, last week, we actually went into a fundamental, a little fundamental principle, I guess, um, and we like to we look to help those curious uh, within Chinese medicine or TCM, and we want to cover the basically cover the fundamental perspectives and principles of Chinese medicine. And uh, while modern medicine seeks to unveil the mechanisms behind the veil of symptoms, there's still a lot that's left unknown, and that's where Chinese medicine can come can come in. Um, yeah, I I threw out my own intro. I just kind of just put yours, Tim. So. Gang. Nice. <laughs> very, it's very good. Gotcha. Um, just a forewarning before we get into this, I will be very sniffly. It is hay fever season and it is very windy outside and it is just attacking all of this. You should be this, taking so you're going to be hearing a lot of... I know. I just don't have any at the moment <laughs> because all the shops are closed, all right? <laughs> Shut your face. So you're going to be... And also, herbs are really, really expensive at the moment. Oh, well. they would be. Shoot. Didn't think of that and at all. There's an enormous delay as well oh. for herbs to actually be posted to you. So. Yeah, it is or like a shortage or whatever. That's crazy. Didn't even think of that. I've just got hella like granules stockpiled at my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so you're going to be hearing a lot, of, a lot of that going on. A lot of, ah, and then like also. Sorry. I don't know. Podcast. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, just, just a real. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> no, uh, we should probably yeah, I'll probably ease up on the phlegm sounds because throwback to when we went on our uh, Southeast Asia tour, there was one one of our friends who was like really, really like Ugh! on the the sound of like phlegm. Yeah, how people go like, and all that. Anyway, yes. throw back to that. I remember. Anyway. So I'll ease up on that. I'll try my best to not sound all sniffly in that. Uh, this week, we are going into another guiding principle where it comes to diagnosis in Chinese medicine, and it is called the four examinations. And this is, ref- and it's, it's very ambiguous, the name, but this is referring to the main types of examinations that we look at when we see the patient. Did you, did you want to say something, Nick? You've got to no, no, roast no, me no. or something? Or? <laughs> no, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> you good? 
Yeah, yeah, we yeah, can call him out. Yeah, what were you trying to do with that? Nick? All right, when yeah, you made yeah, that Nick. You <laughs> hit it with the. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought anyway. it was funny that you called him ambiguous. <laughs> they are ambiguous, right? They are. Yes, that's the, why I thought it was well, funny. The, yeah. Ah, oh. all right. Never mind. Got you. I'm, I can't. <laughs> I can't see your faces. So I can't. Even, I can't even see you laugh. So I heard it. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Continue. All right. <laughs> Um, anyway, as I was saying, yeah, this is uh, referring to the main types of examinations when we look at the patient. Uh, we figured out, you know, what to look for, and now we're kind of going into how we look for it. Um, we use these observations and inquiries to get a better understanding of not only the disease, but actual the actual patients themselves. Um, and this allows us to utilize these aspects that we get from that um, to create a thorough diagnosis and then obviously an effective treatment. Um, the, there are four main branches when it comes to uh, these examinations. Um, we'll obviously go into a little deeper as we go on, but just for introductory purposes, there's observation, hearing, smelling, oh, sorry, observation, hearing and smelling, um, interrogation, and palpation. It sounds like five, but hearing and smelling are apparently a one <laughs> category, so. <laughs> uh, so let's go with that. Olfaction or auspitation? Oh, no, go on, continue. Oh, sorry. No. Um, just before we go a deep dive into it, I just want to make a disclaimer that this is the fundamental ways for Chinese medicine or traditional Chinese medicine, how they look at the patient. It's very different to how um, modern medicine or Western medicine looks at diagnosis. So this is a big branch of, now that we know how the organs function in Chinese medicine, it's a big step in the... A different direction from Western medicine. So in Western medicine, they tend to look more at like the microscopic level of like bacteria and those sort of things that will cause diseases. So they look from in to out generally and how that affects the patient. And whereas Chinese medicine looks sort of out to in, back to out. <laughs> where and then in the again. Patient, the symptoms. Then they look at the inside and they're like, oh, it could be this causing this. And then they ask more questions and then they look at back on the outside how it's going to affect the patient yeah and i think that's why they call chinese medicine very holistic because we look at like everything and then so i remember when we do uh the 10 questions when we um first have a, a new patient we ask about everything like they could have something like they could they could sprain their ankle and we still ask about their like their nails and like things that would be deemed irrelevant to a lot of people um and that tends to kind of throw people off not, not in a bad way, but they're just like, oh, I didn't expect you to ask about that. And yeah, that's that's when it kind of comes in full picture, uh, full in full circle, because uh, you know sometimes we hear about um, the like the nail quality uh, does uh, was, was it display or represent the, the the quality of your liver or kidney? I always forget kidneys, gang. So um, we tend to yeah, like like I said, that's that that makes it really holistic and all that. Yeah, and I think patients can also come back and reflect on that because, you know, a lot of the time we ask all these questions that don't seem very relevant to the patient, but then, you know, the second or third time they come, we check back in on it and we say, oh, how is this going? How is this tracking? And, you know, even if they're coming in for some sort of like pain issue, but they've also got sleep issues that they don't seem as related, um, you know, and then we check back in in their sleep and they can be like, Oh wow! Like he, act they actually care a little bit more than just yeah. Like ex 
you know, not to call out Western My medicine, problem. but yeah, they care about a little bit more about that problem that I come to them first for, you know, which is which is kind of nice. Yeah, helping that sort of patient practitioner rapport and c- forming that connection with your patients, I think, is really really important. And it's even when yeah, it's even more well. so important in Chinese med over Western med. You know, we spend a little bit more time with our patients um, doing acupuncture and you know getting into the nitty gritties for herbs and things like that a bit more than what Western medicine you know allow for. Uh, it's just the nature of the job, I suppose. Cool, great. So let's, I feel like we can get into like the nitty gritties now and we can talk about the four examinations like B said. So the first one, oh, so the first ones are generally uh, observation. So what do you guys normally see when you're during this stage? I think uh, one thing that I found really interesting about um, observation that they told us is like, look at the the stance of the patient and as they walk in, you know, are they hunched over, are they kind of like really overly energetic or and things like that, or, or just and getting like the initial feel of that patient's really, really interesting. Um, uh, I, I tend to look at, yeah, probably the way that they, the energy that they bring. If they're like very, like I said, very energetic and uppity, you can kind of get a sense of a, excess type person and you can yeah you get that you get the impression straight away where it's like oh they're an excess person or person or if they're a little bit more reserved than more of a deficient type of person or maybe it gets a little bit more complex where it's like they're super uppity and then um they are actually like deficient but there's nothing controlling them that that type of energy that's coming they're more like agitated Um, rather than um just full of energy yeah that's it, yeah. Agitated or even just like unbound, I guess, where there's nothing really centering them down and they're kind of just like on that like little jittery or something and it's just not really them as a person and that's that's something to kind of take into consideration. Yeah, I, I always use, like, you always use these observations as that very first step. As soon as that patient walks through the door or, you know, you go out to greet them or wherever you catch your patients from, you're looking... Uh, you're looking at their body type. You're looking at their complexion and sort of how they walk, if they walk with a gait or anything like that. You know, uh, their skin tone in their face. Y- you're, you're automatically judging them. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> their body type, are they a bit more overweight or are they, you know, a bit skinny? Or are they automatically, you know, are they quite tall or are they quite short? Y- you're automatically making these assumptions and, you know, these these observations and and mainly these four examinations they they really do come second nature to to all of us Chinese med practitioners as as we you know come through school and graduate and then start to practice we we see them in everyday people and you know we we catch little cues um, that we're taught to sort of leech onto um, when when we're in school that we don't miss so we catch them in everyday life and it's hard to switch that off but yeah it's true um that is true could you give some examples of these clues that you're talking about so you mentioned stuff like stature gait um could you give us some examples of like what you're looking at and what why you're looking at them specifically observation yeah observation um automatically observation i normally look at like weight 
and sort of like skin tone or complexion, um, especially when they're like sitting down in front of me. Uh, weight I look at for well, if mainly like younger females is they're like more like mental, me- the mental side of mental health side of issues, like you know to do with their weight if they're sort of more more overweight and you know looking into the spleen and these types of issues as well because um, they can weigh heavily on a patient whether they think it whether they think it doesn't have an impact on whatever they're coming in for or not um, so automatically there those things are in the back of my mind looking for signs and symptoms of that um, and especially then relating on to um, reproductive side the menstrual issues you know so I'm automatically yeah looking into those type of things um, and things like gait, if they're walking with like limps or if they're, you know, if they're favoring one side um, and they're maybe a little bit older or something, maybe they've got some hip issues or some knee issues, you know, you, you're sort of looking for those for those cues. Um, so you can start that diagnosis process in your mind before they even speak. Um, once you sit them down and ask them what they come in for and, you know, if they're coming in for some sort of, um, some sort of pain, and you've seen them having a limp, you you're automatically associating that with their knee or their hip. So you can sort of you know sway the questions, and ask the appropriate questions to what you what you're looking for. Um. Yeah, so more like the physical mechanics sort of side. It's like because they're walking in. This is sort of like the Western med side, I guess, where it's like the mechanics of the hip aren't functioning properly or the knee. That's why this person's sort of walking funnily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tend to um, like when they when they first walk in. Those are the, those are the type of aspects I look at. Like you know, yeah, the stature and everything. What we were saying before, um, the things like you know the hair, skin, nails, uh, obviously tongue, and the excretions and the secretions. Really, after I get their chief complaint, I usually look at those things that I might find that are relevant or could be relevant. Um, I'd say, for example, someone's come in with uh, maybe a sprained, like chronic, a chronic sprained ankle or knee, that or chronic sprains in general that had like weakened uh, tendons and stuff. I tend to look at things that relate to. I always get this mixed up. Kidney tendons. Was it was liver? Ah, right, liver gang. <laughs> I, I tend to look at like things that are more related to liver and and also kidney too because they kind of like go hand in hand. So I would kind of go with more like uh, I would start, try to suss out their their hair, their nails, even sometimes their skin quality too can also be related to. Um, also, and then that's that's where I'd go into also obviously looking at their tongue, which is a whole thing in itself. Tongue diagnosis, um, but that's what I kind of focus into almost like the extraneous it's not even a symptom it's, it's like a, it's an obs- it's an observation where um where you're looking at very a, a narrowed thing because there's no point of looking at some of these that uh, actually no sorry there is a point of looking at some of these observations but it's better to focus on some of these aspects more than the others after you get the chief complaint sometimes so then you can really nail down what's going on inside if that makes sense yeah a couple of these observations you know like the nail the nails and the hair and um, skin turgo or whatever, um, that they become sort of associated symptoms with the chief complaint or 
if you're sort of looking for more evidence that you're sort of like, you're leaning to one way or the other and you're like, mm, it's kind of not really this and it's not really that, but it's it's somewhere in the middle and you have a look at these associated symptoms that, you know, might not be so obvious to the untrained eye or whatever, um, you you sort of get that picture. It fills out the picture a little bit more. Yeah. And something that I get quite often is like, let's say someone has like a kidney indeficiency or something, um, or someone has lower back pain. And then you're looking out for like to check the quality of the kidneys and you're kind of like, oh, um, dude, have you had dry skin lately? And they're like, oh, I always have dry skin. And then that's something that kind of like really jump on a jump on. You're like, oh, okay. So maybe this is not a an acute thing. It's actually something that's long-term. Maybe they have a kidney disability. Uh, predisposition and all that that might allow their lower back to be a little bit sore or something like that or constantly sore and all that i have a random question before i actually say what i wanted to say in our notes why is quality of excretion and secretions under observation because we don't need to look at it so back in that was me i added that so back in ancient china they they would actually often like looking at it physically or getting a practitioner to look at your excretion and your secretions was a lot more normal back then than it is although thinking back Ah. thinking back to china a lot of people would like bring in photos of their of their excretions um, <laughs> to show the doctor, and the doctor would be like, "Oh yeah, thanks, thanks, that's fantastic." Like, I don't, I don't really uh, want to look at your poo for any longer than I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and then they try and show them three like, or four I feel times. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like the doctor would be eating lunch, and then the guy's like, "Oh hi, doctor, I've got this problem here. Look at my poo." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm still a human. I'm trying to eat, right?" Like. I don't know why the immediate, the immediate imagery I have is someone like having like a bowl of, oh, it's disgusting, a bowl of phlegm and just being like, hmm, hmm, and just like seeing the quality of that phlegm. Well, that's kind of for me. That's so nasty. Yes, exactly. Like I wouldn't mind looking at these sort of like, just like quote, quote unquote, disgusting images during like practitioner hours like i wouldn't mind that because that's just part of the natural body but like if i was eating lunch or if i was like talking to a friend and someone comes up with a picture of poo to show me i'd be like there's a time and place for everything now it's not the time that is correct (laughs) the poo if someone had a photo of their poo i kind of find that a little bit uh useful actually exactly i'd be like whoa at first but you know, I'd need a disclaimer if someone just was like, hey, this is my poo. I'd be like, okay, all right, well, relax, yeah. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> someone's kind of just like, you want, you've got a photo, you want to see? Like, yeah, cool. Which kind of um, falls onto that interrog- interrogation aspect of of these, and um, we will jump jump back and forth a little bit. But people are known for either not understanding your question or not answering it truthfully. Um, and that's where, you know, looking at all these observations and, you know, um, occasionally looking at excretions, people can say that their, their, their poo is a bit more formed or, you know, is, is a different shape to what 
they say it is, and then they bring in a photo, and you're like, oh well, that's that's clearly not um, a formed what you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clearly not what you, you're saying it is. Um, so you know, that's that the difference between well, the 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 need to have all four of these examinations um, in your treatments yeah. um, to form that full picture. It's either that due to... Oh, so no, 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 go, go. Um, yeah, that could be due to like embarrassment of the patient, but I think it's important to clarify with the patient to be like, I'm just here to try and help you and looking at this sort of stuff will help me help you in the long run for my diagnosis and treatment for you. Yeah, being honest all over, you know, all throughout. Um, that comes back to, you know, being honest as a practitioner and, you know, uh, being straightforward with why you're asking these questions and the relevance. Um, and then the patient, you know, theoretically should be straightforward and honest with you back. Yeah, let's talk about the tongue. I feel like the tongue is a big diagnosis thing that you can observe. Charlene, did you have something to say? Yeah, did you? No, we can talk about the Because okay, I, st- I was staring at you. You were like kind of going hovering. She's like swaying. Yeah, you're ho- hovering back and yeah, forth yeah. from the market. That's usually my tell when people need want to uh, say something. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they... Yeah, we could... What, what did you want to say? No, it's fine. You started on the tongue. We should talk about nah, the screw tongue. Nah, the, screw the tongue. It's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, One of the fundamental... Uh, Chinese medicine, but that's good. Okay, fine. Let's go with the tongue. Sure. All right. Um, we're talking tongue. What do you look at? Beak? Ah, everything. What's the tongue? Why do you look at the tongue? That's weird. Everything. Stop looking at the tongue. What do you oh. look at? All right. Let's, I look at. Well, let's go. All right. Well. Why do you look at the tongue? I look at the the size of the body, the color of the body, the coating, and other extraneous uh, features that I might have. Um, do it. Should we break down each of those aspects? Because, fuck, that's going to get dense. Um why, oh, I, I why do you look at the tongue? Yeah, why do you look at the tongue? Um, I the way I ex- usually explain that to patients is just like it. It's kind of like a representation of what's going on inside, like com- in, in a completely visual way. Like, um, and it's a, it's the one of the best ways. Well, for me anyway, it's one of the best ways to kind of assess what is going on because the tongue will never lie unless you brush your tongue. Then it's a little bit hard, but. Um, like, you know, when, when it comes to asking like, oh, you know, is your skin dry or is, um, what's your stool like? It's all like kind of subject to your own, uh, opinion of what is dry and, um, or what is, uh, what is good poo, what's bad poo, whatever. Like everything is kind of like up in the air sometimes, but with your tongue, you look at the tongue and then you make the judgment straight away from yourself, like by, by yourself, you just. The, the tongue won't lie like you you see it and you're like okay cool i see teeth marks i see uh coding uh we've, we've gone into tongue before haven't we so i don't really need to go into too much detail right we have a long like quite a while ago i think it was quite a while ago year. yeah it deserves its own podcast oh. so i don't know <laughs> should we should go into it i don't know <laughs> all right yeah I, I think just touching on like the five aspects that we look at in the tongue so stuff like color like B was talking about texture, moisture, size, and the shape. Yes. Uh, very important. Yeah. As well as the coating. Yeah. And it, Sorry, there's six. I, I, I didn't want to put a number to it because I look at a couple of things on the tongue. <laughs> um, but uh, looking at these things, you can kind of get an idea of... It almost conf- I, I, I was never really... I, I, in first or second year, I wasn't very good at tongue, tongue and pulse diagnosis. 
Um, so now I'm obviously better doc now. Um, so uh, I kind of use that to confirm what I think. Um, not like that alone, uh, no, that combined. Um, so <laughs> Nikki, right? Yeah, you're like, well, obviously I'm a bit, bit better now. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a self gas up. I'm trying like I'm, I'm a doctor. I can do this. That's I have this pep talk every time I treat. <laughs> got it, man. You got it. Got to be in your own I head. I know. Yeah, I do. I'm too much in my own head. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, the tongue is super important. Um, I usually like to. Uh, especially kidney yin deficiency, I like to look at it because they all have the same tongue. It's like no coating and pale pink and all that. It's or sometimes red actually. Um, but yeah, I guess that's why we look at the tongue. Does that answer? You? Does that give a good explanation? I don't know if I. Shit. So, so <laughs> to summarize everything that was said, basically we look at the tongue and compare it to a normal tongue so for chinese medicine a normal tongue is viewed as a light red or pink tongue body with a thin white or transparent coating and it can move flexibly the sides are all smooth and there's not very many bumps on it so as they were saying before we look at the coating the size the shape the color and if it differs from the normal that's what we look at to support our diagnosis and there's different parts of the tongue, sorry, yeah, different parts of the tongue represent different organs. And that's what we look for specifically when we want to support our organ diagnosis or we want to gain a better picture. Very good, very good. I think, is that, a, that that's probably, in, is that enough for this episode? I mean, we could... Yeah, I think if you want to learn deeper. more about specifically, yeah, we you can have a listen to our tongue and pulse where we talk about different parts of the tongue to look at, what to look at, what colors and all that stuff in more detail. That is an so old ass episode. When did we yes. record that? I have no idea. Last at, at your old ago. house. Yeah, two years ago. Mm. We may we may oh, revisit that episode um, with some better audio yes. and stuff. Uh, oh, so we were in person tuned. back then. Uh, stay stay tuned. So throw back. Um, yeah, let's let's move on because we've still got a, quite a bit to get through. Um, hearing and smelling is the next next examination. Oh, did you have something else to say about observation, Charlie? For that, can we talk about the eyes and the spirit? Just <gasps> one yes. I wanted to talk about first, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Does this tie into your under- your new understanding of spirit? and all that is that why you guys um, want to talk ties into more our new understanding for the eye oh hit it go 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 off what's up with the eye oh i was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say when you first kind of see the patient you're when you're doing that like observation of the body and things like that the eyes and the spirit is well something I personally look for so when I call their name if they look directly at me if they kind of seem a bit alert or if they're kind of looking through me and their eyes are a bit dull and just kind of not focused so that's what I look for in spirit normally and so we what we learned from the book previously is a little bit more 
in the treatment room. So once you are kind of closer in person to look at um, any abnormal capillaries, colouring, cloudy spots on the eyes and each section of the eye kind of like the tongue relates to a different organ so it's super interesting yeah this is more of a a niche aspect of chinese medicine where people like use the eye as well so traditionally it's just the tongue and the pulse that are the main two diagnostic foundation pillars for diagnosis but Charlene and I just did an episode about the book Do With Us, so give that a listen if you're interested in eye diagnosis as the third pillar. Yeah, it goes really into detail. I was like, kind of like hovering while you were recording. (laughs) I was looking at the little diagram that you guys had, and it was like really like, really detailed. And I thought it was a really cool aspect. It's very different to what we were taught. Um, It's one of those... Tim said like a niche thing to look at um, but definitely great to if you want if you want to expand your knowledge on typical diagnosis okay hearing and smelling all oh, right no it, it is it's it is <laughs> yeah. a good um, it is very good to look at uh, but right fearing fearing of running out of time oh okay all right cool so let's <laughs> go back to uh, hearing and smelling uh, olfaction auscultation Yes. I, don't, I don't remember. Good job. Uh, is Oscar, anyway, yeah, words. <laughs> that's, that's that's my starter Very for good. that's my starter for today. All right, um, I tend to use this a little bit less as much. Um, so this, it's a part of using like all your senses when it comes to diagnosis. I generally use the hearing aspect when it comes to breathing, and when it comes to like you know heart related stuff that kind of goes towards more of the Western medicine. Um, and when I, when I say breathing, I mean putting, like listening to the, the breath, if there's any, um, um, you can hear any phlegm or if it's this difficulty breathing or what type of uh, sound, what type of obstruction there might be, a whistle or wheeze, kind of that's what I relate to hearing. Do you guys use hearing in any other ways that I can't really think of? Um, you can also use it in the abdominal uh, issues. So you're listening for bogorygmai, and other gurgling type sounds, or if there's you know any movement, if they've been quite constipated or anything like that, you you know you're listening for digestion and movement in in the intestines um, is sort of the other big thing I use hearing for. Um, but you can also like listen to the voice, you know, just like the exam in, in that uh, first segment um, observation. You you're listening to the voice when as soon as you first see them. Um, as soon as you call their name or whatever, you start that first little bit of conversation. Have they got that really timid voice? Have they got a really loud, takes over the room voice? Um, you know, so where are they at? Um, and sort of how do they speak? Uh, so, you know, again, these these things obviously tie in together. The, the observations sort of flow pretty well. And you're using all four of these observations throughout the whole treatment. Uh, it never really stops. I have it the um, the smelling side. I tend to use this a lot less. <laughs> For me, like yeah, I, I guess gotta have in, a sense, the of, here, sense s- of smell to smell them. <laughs> I yeah, I barely have a sense of smell these days. For real, um, when it comes to skin conditions, I remember when I had it, my own eczema, I used to have a certain smell 
and because that was like a heat presenting um, type thing, um, and it was a it was more of a bacterial kind of like eczema infection ish. So that's where kind of smell does come in handy um, to kind of identify what is going on with things like skin skin conditions. Um, you can also that also all comes into your actual consultation when you're asking you know about again we're going back to oh, sorry going back to the poo <laughs> and how smelly the poo is uh, but. Does that kind of go under this? I don't really know unless they actually bring a sample of their poo and give it a smell. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's right. It, it, you know, yeah. it, has to, it has to have modern aspects of of traditional um, treatments and observations. So, yeah, we're obviously looking at um, the smell of everything. The smell of the skin, the body odor. You know, are they uh, do they sweat a lot and does that have, you know, a real like damp heat smell um, that is quite yellow. Sweat is a good one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, other skin They might issues. sweat a lot, but is the smell smelly? Yeah, that's so it. You guys are fighting yeah. each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what I was going to say about the excretions is that, you know, obviously in the olden days, they more than likely would, you know, go see them at their home or anything like that. So they probably would have a sample of their excretions that they could look at and smell and see. Um, and obviously, we don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, adaptations from ancient times. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Tom, was, Tom just gave me that look like, yeah, you probably didn't have to explain that we don't go and look at their poo. <laughs> 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 All right, I'll follow you here, mate. Let's have a smell. <laughs> oh. Is there anything else you want to touch on hearing and smelling? No, I think that's it. Yeah, I figured. Yeah? yeah? Okay. The, th- the third one we wanted to go into was interrogation. Um, does anyone want to take that away? The phone ringing. Just give me one sec. I prefer the word inquiry to yeah, so interrogation. So, so because, I. I mean, we're inquisitive and not interrogating, so... I think it's <laughs> Did you eat that snack like I told you not to eat? How's the quali- how's the quality of your of your bells? How is it? <laughs> I feel like this Tell is one now. of those things that's like poorly translated across from Chinese. Yeah. It's yeah. Um it's more but like yes, it's the inquiry, it's the questioning, it's the talking, um, it's the getting information out of the patient. Um, that is the important bit. And, you know, we did go over this in the last episode, eight principles, and it probably could have, we could have probably swapped these two episodes around. Um, Anyway, that's, yeah, more talking about talking to the patient and sort of getting, you know, like B said earlier, those 10 questions um, that are are quite broad. um, And we've gone through those in the past on this podcast as well. Um, that are quite broad, and just to get that overall, overall image of the of the patient. Um, so that's that's the main thing about interrogation is you know getting that physical, uh, physical information. Yeah, this is generally in terms of Western med the first line of like patient comes in. This is their first stage for them when treating. Yeah, patients. ask all the questions, look at the issue, sign up some. Yeah, give a prescription and get out of there. Oh. Hmm. 
I, I remember when I was learning to how to consult and all that. I don't know if this really comes into play or not. Um, I kind of use a, I used a similar method that I've been explaining for the past two podcasts where um, when I'm asking questions, I tend to have a wider scope of my questions and then eventually narrow it down. So when we're asking, when we're talking about asking relevant questions, it's sort of like um, you ask a big question, oh, you know, like, oh, so what happens when you when you eat or what happens when you have this this pain or whatever? And then then they start telling you, oh, you know, um, this might happen, this might happen. Oh, OK, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And then eventually when you're asking, when you con- continuously asking these questions, it narrows your diagnosis and gets more an idea of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, does anybody else want to include anything important into the inquiry stage? All right. Let's move on to the last one, which is palpation. It's something that I actually really like doing. I really, really like doing palpation. Which is very important um, and can be a little bit overlooked. Um same as why is it so important because you're getting a feel of the patient um you're getting you can especially if they're coming in for um stuff like pain or abdominal issues uh you can feel you can use your hands on the outside to feel what's happening on the inside um especially pain 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 issues as is a massive one um, and as a student, you sort of you you have to learn how to palpate correctly. Um, otherwise, it's you're just sort of feeling around. And you're like, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. So you you you're feeling different muscles, and you're feeling sort of how they're working together, and how they're not working together, um, and different structures, sort of all over the body, and as well as in the in the abdomen, you're feeling for tightness and you know, tender spots, you know, things like this, things that the patient might not um, sort of associate with their issue or might not know about because, you know, people don't normally go palpating themselves or get other people to palpate them when that's not necessary. So you might discover something new that the patient doesn't know about. I like thinking about um, during palpation too, just pressing certain, like, certain points and certain acupuncture points and I feel like that kind of get that gives you a better idea of what's going on both externally internally like maybe which meridian it gets you thinking like what meridian is it affecting um where where what should I what should the acupuncture points should I consider when when doing this what external what uh distal ones I should do um especially when it comes to pain patients uh both abdominal and like muscle wise um so yeah I thought I kind of thought I'd throw that out there Um, yeah, and then the well, other palpation the, aspects. The, oh, the, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> the, the, other, <laughs> the, the other big palpation aspect that we use is the pulse. Um, so that's so we we use the radial pulse. Yes, the radial pulse. Um, do you want to explain that, Tom? I feel like you've got no, and no, no, I feel like you've got a good <laughs> explanation waiting. You gave oh. us a pretty good explanation before, <laughs> we, before we started recording, so. Um, 
I guess so. I'll give it a shot. I didn't really have anything prepared. Um, <laughs> so normally when we look at the radial pulse, we're looking for near sort of the wrist crease and you're trying to feel for three positions. So um, the practitioner normally rests three fingers along um, just sort of the top of the radial crease and then three positions down. We call that the chun, the chu and the guan position. So you can give our pulse... Um, tongue and pulse episode another listen to if you want it but each individual position is related to each individual organ so we feel left and right and left side is to do more with the yin organs so stuff like the heart the liver and the kidneys and on the right hand side is the more chi aspect elder myoma yang side which is more related to lung spleen and kidney as well so kidney is sort of the root of the body. That's why you sort of see it on both sides of the hand, of each hand. But normally that uh, can indicate like the yin and the yang aspect as well. So this this is, again, one of the fundamentals, pillars for diagnosis, because again, the pulse cannot lie in terms of how the patient's body is doing. So if you're looking at the, you're looking at how the how strong the pulse is the strength of the pulse the quality of the pulse as well as if there's any sort of like different underlying characteristics so for example if the pulse is slower or softer <coughs> excuse me uh, if it's slower or softer it generally means some sort of deficient sort of signs um, you have like the opposite which is quicker and stronger which could indi- indicate sort of maybe more young excess conditions or the patient's just generally strong Um, and there's different depths as well so if the patient's pulse doesn't come all the way up to your finger then you know that there might be some sort of deficient sign or if the other side which is the pulse beats very strongly against your finger that could be an indication of excess so you're generally looking at those sort of four aspects when you're trying to diagnose the pulse in patients I just want to mention that when we do pulse taking, um, it's different from when a Western medicine doctor or GP takes your pulse or blood pressure. Um, We're looking for different properties and it's not completely the same. So if you do go into see a Chinese medicine practitioner and they're taking your pulse, um, for me personally, I've been asked questions like, oh, what's my blood pressure or how many beats per minute is it, which is the Western medicine side. Um, and normally we have to explain that what we're looking for is a little bit different than that. There's, that was some good ass explanations on the fly on television. <laughs> From both of y'all, for real. Uh, I just want to elaborate on it because I actually missed some. So the for the types of pulse, we look for depth, speed, width, strength, overall shape and quality, rhythm and length. Those are the six, seven, seven aspects for the pulse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Did you have something to say, Charlene? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought my screen was frozen again. <laughs> yeah, because like, well, it all looked like you were about to say something, and I'm just like... I, I thought <laughs> you just froze in real life. <laughs> so good. Pulse is a very big category also. We've also done 
we've touched on it in, tongue, in our earlier Tongue and Pulse episode. So, the, the no, other thing that, we... Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say about the Pulse is that it's very subjective to the person that's feeling the Pulse. Um, it can be very difficult to get a grasp on and, and learn how to feel the intricacies of the Pulse correctly. That's why it was so bloody hard to learn, man. Whoa. So hard to learn. Like, what, what is taught, <laughs> for example? It's like, what is thready? You know? Yeah, and all the different um, names that are used, obviously translated across from Chinese um, into English, that, that we obviously we haven't have a thought about what they should feel like. And then when we feel them, and we're like, eh, it could be this or it could be that. And then somebody that's experienced feels them and says, oh, it's something completely different. Um, as a student, can throw you off quite a bit. Uh, but it's it, it's something that takes, you know, a lifetime to master. Um, yes. The more the more, the more more pulses you take, it's the better. Because then you get an idea of like, you, you make a relation between the condition and the type of pulse that you feel. Um, and then as you build that bank up, you tend to get better in pulse. Um and that's why first year was very um and ahhing in the guessing game when it came to it. Um, but then eventually now Pulse is like my thing too. So Yeah, it's something that you definitely pick up more. The more pulses you feel and diagnosis, uh, diagnose, the more you sort of get used to feeling what you're feeling as well. Yeah, so if you're learning Pulse right now and all feel that... Feel all the pulses. Just feel all the pulses. Take, give it time. Be patient with yourself because you're not going to get it overnight. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, and that sort of goes with all of these examinations is that they take time to to uh, develop and take time to become a bit more of a second nature. And, you know, I, I'm i not 100% good at all of them myself, um, you know, and we're all still learning as new practitioners. Um, so there's obviously things that we miss and things that we don't pick up on. But... Uh, as students and as new practitioners, these are things that develop and things that we we learn sort of a bit more on the job. Um, we learn to see what's more relevant to to how we treat as individuals and how we form a diagnosis and our thought process um, just in the treatment rooms. You know, it might be different to how somebody else that relies heavily on the pulse and tongue opposed to somebody else that, you know, relies heavily on questioning and, and having a chat to the patient and, you know, talking about their issues and getting to the nitty-gritties or, you know, somebody that doesn't really talk and just does a lot of palpation of muscles and, and musculoskeletal pain and and does, you know, um, orthopedic testing and those type of issues. Um, so that's, there's, you know, there's many different types of practitioners um, in Chinese med and... You know, these four examinations are sort of pillars that we can go off and some, you know, we rely heavily on maybe one more than the other. But, you know, as practitioners, we sort of use all four. Yeah, definitely. As always, thank you for listening to the Forever Young podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook discussion page. And and as always, we're the Forever Young Podcast, and you'll hear from us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.